Daddy's Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. So Jan, I want to talk about the cake pop caper. Try to say that three times fast. So, so <laughs> Tell me. Uh, I, I buy cake pops uh, for the kids because I like to give them something super unhealthy on their way to school in the morning. And they disappeared from the car. I bought them the night before and they disappeared from the car. And the only reason why I bring this up is I wonder how many of our listeners who are dads find that they're losing their minds. I am not kidding you that I spent several days convinced that the combination of like being tired and all the silly stuff that you have to do as a father and all this just basically has erased my sanity because I didn't understand what happened to them. They had disappeared from the car and it was very, very upsetting to me. Yeah, actually, Alex thought seriously about going to the doctor because he was thinking that he like, wasn't yeah, remembering. Did, did I imagine that I bought them? You know, the, And so uh, there's this term called gaslighting where you intentionally try to convince somebody else that they're crazy. And I was, I was also starting to think that maybe Jan was doing that to me, which is possible. Anyway, I just want you it's guys to know that this morning I also discovered that all of the quarters that I keep for the parking meter were also missing from the same area in the car, which means I was robbed and I'm so happy about that because the alternative is I have to check myself into the clinic. They took your money and your cake pops. That's right. And they have something sweet while they're spending your <laughs> well, money. Yeah, it's fine. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And you have your sanity. I do. Time goes by really fast when you're having fun, Alex. <laughs> Season finale is coming up next week with the Gay Dads Movie Awards. I am so excited about that. I really am. Screen time is becoming very scary than I think of it because they're so hypnotized by screens at home. Uh, Wait, can... how did we change to that subject? Well, it's screen time. What's screen time? Screen. We're watching movies. Oh, I see. You're going to the movie. Right. Got it. Sorry. Sorry. Please go ahead. Maybe I am insane. Maybe there's not even any podcast and I'm just like sitting in some place in a, in a wheelchair, God forbid. Uh, speaking to yourself. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> and the so, psychiatrist you know, is like, so, he's been doing a podcast. For so let's just years. imagine it didn't happen, okay? okay. This, this should, last should uh, back? 30 seconds. Uh, so screen time, Alex, is becoming very scary. I feel that they're so hypnotized by the TV screen at home that you can actually eat a full chocolate bar behind their backs and they won't notice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I stand behind Ben and I say, Ben, 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 nothing. Ben, nothing. But I, but I will tell you this. I think something important has changed. When I was a kid, I was also hypnotized by the TV. But the TV... And when computers and phones and iPads really started to, you know, in the early days of personal computers, which was when I was pretty damn young, you know, the notion was a computer is a step in a much better direction because the TV was just this idiot box that you plunked in front of and you didn't interact with it and it required nothing of you, right? So the notion was now we're going to have devices that people interact with and won't that be positive? 
But the interesting thing that I've noticed is, yes, the kid interacts with it, but in some ways what that means is that they disappear even further, right? The TV used to suck up a lot of their attention, but now once they get into this device, this iPad, this iPhone, whatever it is, they're gone. I mean, they're interacting with it, the content is coming out of it, and there's nothing else in the world. And that actually scares me even more. Yeah, I see what you mean. That is good. Today we're talking about schools. Places where, for the most part, you don't get to use an iPad or an iPhone. How did we find our school? You want uh, to talk about yes, it? I'm happy to talk about it. Um, first of all, as, as we have discussed in previous episodes, in our relationship, I believe that there is a relative equality in the amount of time that is spent with our kids and, and raising them. But in terms of management, that's all Jan. Jan is the chief operating officer of the kids, and he was the chief operating officer of the process by which we searched for schools. Uh, yeah, what I did, actually, I was looked, I browsed for like a couple of hours, the yep. internet for trying to find all the schools in the area, like to see all of our options. And yep. then I started to just go to every one of them. <laughs> I, I went through like 20 schools. Yeah. There was another matter in this whole consideration was that Alex was really, he wanted them to go to Jewish school. Yep. Nevertheless, I went around, I just, even though we wanted a Jewish school, I went to all schools just to see the difference between them all and, and, and so forth. And then, like, we started to narrow it down. I think we ended up with, like, three schools. One of them was Jewish. And one of them rejected us. Yes, one they of them. rejected us. Yes. Which I will tell you, we will never forget. <laughs> when my children take their dual Nobel Prize, I'm going to stand there, sit there, because I'll be in my chair, and I'll say, such and such a school, who we will not name, uh, did not accept my kids. So one school rejected us. The other one actually accepted us, but it wasn't a Jewish school. Right. And then we went with a third one. That was Jewish. School. Pretty, it's pretty, pretty Jewy. Yeah. My suggestion to every new dad was to actually see, look, and just it's a, it's a lot of legwork, and it's kind of annoying because some of them has like these orientations yeah. that can last for a couple of hours. But I think that you can actually see what can fit to your kids, and especially ask your questions, which we will discuss further on in our interview and get everything answered before you actually decide. I think another thing that we did a little bit of, but I, I would recommend it very, very strongly, is find parents who go to, whose kids go to that school and talk to them separately, not, in, not as part of an orientation, yes. etc. And if I they're gay, it's even better. Well, and that's right. That's absolutely right. And so we had that advantage with the school that our kids go to now that there were some people that we could talk to uh, to give you that kind of feel that there's really no way to get um, during you know a formal uh, school tour and orientation where everything is sunny and perfect. Yes, and I have to say that I was specifically terrified about Mother's Day. And that was a question that I asked in every school that we went to. What do you guys do for Mother's Day? And how can our family be um, interacted with that? And you'll hear more about it uh, throughout the, this episode. Uh, we have Steve Disselhorst with us. He's a consultant and a coach. He's also a co-chair of the board of directors of Our Family Coalition, whose mission is to advance equality for LGBTQ families with children through 
support and education. He has a lot of experience in education and you will hear it, all of the research that he has done and all of the, what he can bring with him uh, throughout this interview. And now let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Circle Surrogacy. Are you ready to become a dad? Yes. <laughs> surrogacy is a wonderful way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy was founded by a gay dad through surrogacy and has been helping gay singles and couples become parents for over 20 years. Because surrogacy is an emotional and financial investment, finding the right agency to partner with you and support you on your journey is very important. Circle Surrogacy believes that everyone should have the opportunity to be a parent. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com. So here's the interview with uh, Steve. And I have to mention also that uh, after the interview, we invited Steve and his family, his beautiful family. He has uh, adorable kids and adorable husband to our pizza place, to our pizza Nice. Yes, we do not. We don't have a pizza parlor. That's not <laughs> what we do. To a pizza night that we have every Saturday, and yeah. we hang out with them, and it was fun. So yeah. here, here it is: the interview with Steve, and I hope that you guys get a lot of education out of it. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are Jan you? And Alex. Thank you for coming. Let's start from the beginning. I want to get your take on how would you choose the right school for your kids? So first of all, thank you guys for the opportunity to be here. I'm really excited. Um, really excited to share with you some of the work that I've done to um, improve schools, to make them more inclusive for LGBTQ families. Um, and also the work that uh, our family coalition has done in this area. Um, so first of all, the question that you asked is around how do you choose schools? So yeah. I think um, when I think about this, I think about this from the perspective of what are your family values, mm-hmm. right? So I start with sort of two buckets. The first is my human side, like what's important to me as a human being. And then I think about my layer as a, a gay dad, right? Right. So I think the most important thing is to think about what are the values that you hold dearest to you, okay? And as you were going through the process of creating your family, I'm sure you got asked a lot of questions about that. Right. So for adoption, we had to do multiple interviews and it really helped us think about that. So I use that as a, a way to go back to what are the fundamental things that matter to us? And for my family and for my husband and myself, it's really trust, transparency, honesty, community, love, connection, right? Mm -hmm. So those are sort of the fundamentals we think about. The other thing we think about is um, what type of education do we want our kids to have? Do we want them to be in a private school or a public school? Um, And I think for my husband and myself, we both were in public schools. So we value the public school system. And so our decision really with that was we wanted to place our kids in uh, a setting where we felt it was similar to what we had done, but also where they would get an experience with the great diversity. So diversity of different people, but then socioeconomic diversity. So that to, to us is very important that they understand they have two professional dads, so they have a lot. We want them to understand that not everyone has a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an important lesson for us. The other thing that we think about is, do we want our kids to be in the community that we live in? And that's an important thing, 
right? So we want our kids' friends to be close by. So when they want to do play dates, they're right there. The other thing that was a big factor for us was we're both two men working, pretty you know intense jobs. So how do we make this logistically as simple as possible? As you were just talking about, Alex, um, how do we make this the easiest as possible? So is it close to our work or school? So for us, we wanted it close to our home. Um, we wanted our school close to our home because, again, we wanted to be in a community where we got to know the people. We weren't commuting somewhere else and didn't really know the people around there. We wanted to actually know the people in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the important things. And then lastly, in all honesty, is budget, right? Mm-hmm. So we thought a lot about the fact is you can take very little uh, deduction for education, right? So if you think about it, if you get into a, a, a public school, right, like if you buy a house in there, you can deduct all that interest for forever. When you're spending thirty or $60,000 a year on private schools or more than that, not, none of that is deductible, right? So it's like you build up equity, but you're also you're, you're able to deduct what you're putting in. So that was an important sort of like decision we made. So we ended up, we were living in Oakland, which doesn't have great schools. Our daughter was two. Our nanny um, decided to change jobs, and we were like, where are we going to go? We need to start thinking about schools now. Mm-hmm. And so we moved across the bay over to the, uh, to the peninsula to um, San Bruno, which is right near San Francisco Airport, and we looked for schools that were rated above eight on the, on the California scaling from eight to tens. And we just focused in on neighborhoods mm-hmm. based on... Who, who rates them? Uh, there's a, I think it's an independent organization that does ratings and each, you can go, any school you can go into. And actually when you're buying homes, like you'll go into the listing and it'll have the school and then underneath it'll have what schools there. And they're generally will have the rating huh. from a scale of zero to 10. So we just focused on anything above eight. And we ended up going into a school where it was a nine out of a 10. The other thing that was important for us is that San Francisco, where a lot of LGBTQ people live, it's a lottery system for school. So you actually have to interview at schools that you're interested in, then you throw your name in a hat. This is for public schools? This is for public schools. But don't you go to a public school that is based on the geography of where not you in, are? Not in San Francisco. So it, it doesn't work that way. And so wow. we, people spend like a huge amount of time, like they have to interview at every school they're interested in. So they have to do an application each school and then they go into a lottery. So they may end up at a school that's three miles across town and 40 minutes to get to for their kid. Wow. And then they have to go to work. So we wanted to actually be near our school. To us, it was like, and from safety perspective, like you think about all these school shootings, sure. it's like, let's be close to the schools. Sure. So my, my office is, was, I'm, I'm not no longer with that company, but it was three miles from the school and our home was a mile. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like issue at school, sick kid, violence at school, boom, you're there right, right away. So that to us was like super important. And then you know, the financials, it was like, what makes sense for us? Do we save the money that we're going to spend in private school to put towards their college education? Um, you know, so that's kind of the thinking that we had around, like, what what, what did we do to, to make these decisions? You know, I'm really interested in what you were just uh, saying at the beginning about the balance uh, between, you know, private school and public school. One of the things that you said um, was to, to expose your children to 
um, diversity, lots of different yeah. sort of uh, axes of diversity. How do you look at the various issues here, especially when your kids, you know, it's your first, your maiden voyage of sending your kids to school and, uh, and balance those things out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, um, so I think there are huge advantages to private schools, right? Um, our, our, our daughter and our son went to a private daycare that was attached with my employer. Very, very nice, right. very expensive, um, had all the bells and whistles. Um, I think for us, we, um, the school is academically um, is very strong. Right. So it's a rigorous school. And so as far as uh, thinking about like private schools offer maybe some additional things that that school doesn't doesn't offer, we thought we'll, we'll put them into after school programs right. that will address those issues and or um, other areas. But we, 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 f we felt really strongly about the, the set. We, we feel we've seen with a generation that there's you know, the, the kids have a lot these days and, and there are, we, we live in a world that there are a lot of people that don't have a lot. Right. And so right. we, um, want our kids to have an understanding of really, um, everything. The other thing is we're not focused solely on academics. Right. So we're trying to raise a child that's kind, that is loving, that is connected to people, that is smart, that is trustworthy. You know, so we didn't necessarily, my husband and I had a super intense conversation about this. It was like, well, I want, I want our daughter to go to Harvard. And I'm like, no. Oh yeah. I'm with you. No. Mm. By the way, if Harvard was considering sponsoring just said us. a magic word to Alex. Yeah. No, because we, we're willing to take a sponsorship from Harvard for Daddy Squared podcast, if you're listening, Harvard. But <laughs> short of that, no, no to Harvard for my children as well. Good for you. And, Please continue. And it, and it's more about just like we kids nowadays have they're under so much pressure right like pressure to perform and and it's really thinking about we want we want our kids to be holistically yeah. uh, balanced and also they have other layers so our kids are adopted our kids have two dads right you know they yeah. my husband's uh, you know an immigrant and we're a mixed race family so like they have all these different layers uh, you guys are a triple threat You've got, yeah, I mean, it's, got it but all. I, I think the thing is, is that we, we, we we're thinking about like layering on like intensity of a school, right? Because that's our vision of what we want, or is that what's best for them? And so I, th if they show interest later on, you know, then maybe we'll, we'll um, pursue that. Right. But at this point, we're like, we're, we're good with what we, how old decision. are they now? So my daughter just finished first grade yesterday. Oh, congratulations. Um, and so uh, she's heading into second grade and my son is three and a half. Okay. Uh, like your your boys, I think about, yeah. he was born in October. So yeah. um, he's three and a half, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he actually goes to a home daycare um, where he's learning Mandarin. So it's-, it's Oh my really, God, that's great. Really exciting. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, it's fun. It, we just happened to love the teacher and right. it ended up, you know, kids, they say they learn really quickly. And so we're right. like, let's just try this out. And he, yeah. he loves it. So we're so really happy. You mentioned before that um, in the adoption process, you get asked questions about schools? No, we get questions about what do we value? Oh, like okay. Who we are as people, uh, what are the things that are important to us? You, I see. You get, a lot of questions on your competence as a as a human being to for the for the for the agencies to to give you access to the children you, right you're not able so they ask you a lot of questions and they ask you questions like 
What are your values? What do you right. think about your family? And so we had done all that work. And so yeah. it was really just kind of going back and revisiting and thinking about those things. Again. I, I'm just curious, assuming that the adoption people are not listening right now. Um, when you look at what you said to them, and then when you said to each other a few years later, when you were going to start putting your kids into school, what changed? You know, I, I would say our values. So I would say our values are pretty consistent. You know, um, I mean, I think, you know, my husband and I, we have really, um, really similar values. Um, and they're, they're, they weather the test of time. They're not things that change that much. So I, I, I haven't, our values haven't changed that much. I would say, you know, you public schools don't have all the bells and whistles. Mm. So there are days like where I'm like, oh, you know, I went and actually spoke at a, a private school recently um, in, in Oakland, a really, really nice private school. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love my kids to go here. But then at the same time, I'm like, you know, that's that that's all the veneer, right? And so I was right. like, what what is what is underneath it? And our interactions at our, our, our daughter's public school has been nothing but exceptional. That's so, great. So I'm like, you know, it's it's really the humans that are right. better that are more important. If I had to pick something that has changed for me, I won't speak for Jan. Um, we didn't adopt, but had we had that conversation when the kids were first born or before they were born, um, within the first few days of of looking at schools, I started to notice a. I mean, it's a little ugly to say, but a selfishness in, in me about my children that I had not felt before the school process. Meaning I started finding myself saying, yeah, that's all very nice, but what about my child, you know? And because it's the first time that you're putting your kids in a group environment yep. where you're gonna be losing control of them for, you know, yep. X number of hours per day. And it certainly has had that kind of effect on me where I, I, I become much more concerned about what is my child getting yep. than I might've thought that I would feel, you know, earlier. So. Yeah. I want to focus a little bit more on the gay dads layer. Sure. Um, because I know that for Alex and me, when we eventually chose the school, which is also based on the school's acceptance of, of gay dads, I would say that for me personally, it was very important. What kind of questions do you ask yeah. the school before you even decide completely that this is the school that you're going yeah. to? So that's a good question. So um, there are several things. So my son right now is transitioning out of this home daycare and going into actually a private school for a couple of years because of the mm -hmm. cutoff issue. Oh, the cutoff the school issue. cutoff yeah. issue. And he's, um, so we want to get him, you know, accelerated. And so anyways, I've done a lot of, uh, searches for private schools recently. Um, and I, these are the questions I ask. So the first thing is, is your, uh, curriculum LGBTQ inclusive? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, is it equity inclusive? And, and does, it, d does your curriculum try to bring in all different types of people? Um, the next thing I'll ask is what type of books are you using with the kids in the classroom or what type of books do the kids have access to in the classroom? Are there representations of same-sex parents? Are there representations of children that have been adopted? Are there representations of people of color? Um, you know, these are the things that, these are the things that your kids are looking at books all day long, right? Like they're getting a lot of information from the teacher, but they're also 
looking at a lot of things. And so what are they being, you know, what are they having access to? What, what if they don't have the books? Do you buy? Do you? Yeah, so them? I often, so um, for each class I've been in for preschool and for elementary school now, if they don't have the books, and in some cases they have some books, mm -hmm. I'll, we'll buy books and just donate them to the class. Mm -hmm. Right. So for our PTA this year, they were asking for library books. And so we gave a nice donation and I went online and pulled out a list of like 20 books. Mm -hmm. Right. LGBTQ inclusive and adoption books. So then that's a, th the next thing. Um, so then what I would do is ask them what, especially as your, your kids are young, kindergarten, you know, and in preschool and in first K grade, what do you do for family week? Because right. they often do family week. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, family week is different from Mother's Day and Father's Day or? or? Uh, um, I should say it's fam, uh, family of the week. So oh, every family week, of the week. Okay. Every week they have a different family that's sort of the, the kid is the center of the, the class right. for a week and they, they go through the entire class. And so my, my question to them is for family of the week, what do you do for LGBTQ kids mm -hmm. <clears throat> or in our case, you know, two, two dads. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for them to say the teacher or the principal, whoever in a leadership role is talking about different families. Um, what I'm not looking for them to say is, Oh, you're more than welcome to come in and talk about your family. I'm happy to do that. But what I want is for the teacher who has the authority or the principal who has the authority where the kids look up to, I want them to talk about different families. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want them to acknowledge it. I think that's the most important thing because then the kids go, um, Miss so-and-so said all families are different. Miss mm -hmm. so-and-so is the teacher and I respect the teacher. Then they go home and they go out in the community and they talk about it's okay if there's two dads. Right. So that's a really key thing that I, I ask. And um, if they say, you can come in and do it, I go, I'm happy to do it. But before I come in, will you do some time about different families? So I think that's an important thing. Um, there's also things like, I'll ask, are there other LGBTQ yeah, families? That's what I asked. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm actually curious about whether, I guess they can certainly answer the question, but one answer that we got <laughs> at, at one school was, well, we think so, but we don't really know because you know uh, that they're they it's pretty they, obvious well I mean, right you can know but I if mean, they don't know i mean it probably isn't yeah well or <laughs> or if they don't know that's actually telling by itself because it means that that's not an area that they focus on and you might want them to yeah yeah okay yeah that's it so, so there's other things that yeah. i would ask is um is there a network of you know lgbt families that right. meet periodically mm -hmm. There are schools that have like one one night a month where they have African-American students and parents get together. Like, do you have that for LGBTQ right. families? The other thing is, do you, as obviously this is for older, but do you have a gay straight alliance in your high school? Um, do you have any um, affiliation with the gay, lesbian, and straight education <laughs> networks? So those are some, you know, very tactical things that you can ask. Um, to figure out whether whether or not they're an inclusive space. Yeah. So this podcast uh, we do from Los Angeles, and we have had guests uh, who have come on from San Francisco and from Boston and from New York. Sure. There's a problem there. Yeah. All of those cities are as LGBTQ as you can get, maybe Boston not quite as much. What do we all say about 
our listeners who are in areas where it is likely that the school, the school may be open to LGBTQ yeah. parents, but doesn't know anything about it. It has no experience. What do, how do we help them? Yeah, so um, I think that there's an, a ton of things you can do. So, so where we live, we live about 10 miles from San Francisco, so we're not in the city. It's a, it's a bit of a world away. Mm-hmm. The things that we've done, so what we've experienced, uh, I'll just give you my own story, what we experienced at my daughter's school. Within two weeks of my daughter starting kindergarten, she you know, burst out into tears one night saying, you know, the kids are making fun of me that I don't have a mom and that I have two dads. Really? On the playground, yeah. So What, what age was that? That was in kindergarten. So wow. five years old? Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was like, this is not going to work. I was, I mean, I was really upset, super upset. Um, so what did we do? We went to the school. We talked to her teacher. What What's going on? We tried to isolate, you know, where is this happening? You and I have talked, talked about the classroom, and so... It was basically we confirmed that it was happening out on the playground. So what did I do after that? I went to the principal and said, hey, what are you doing to address, you know, LGBTQ issues and make it inclusive for our kids in the school? Mm-hmm. And she was like, we're really open. We've had families in the past. We'll do whatever we need to do to make your family feel accept- accepted. And my question to her was, what are you doing sort of education-wise for your teachers? And she said, well, we're not doing anything right now. Interesting. So from there, um, I was hot. You know, I was really angry, right? I was <laughs> yeah, like, we need to do more. We need to do more. I mean, we're, we're, we're technically in the bubble, and yet we, we, we didn't have these things. And so right. I, was, I had a work trip or whatever, but there was a school board meeting. So I said to my husband, you need to go to that school board meeting. We got a babysitter. He went to the school board meeting. They have an open, you know, open, open uh, mic. Open mic. And <laughs> right. he raised his hand, and he was like, so what are you doing for – LGBTQ families, boom, just a short, simple right. question. And it was like the mic had dropped. In right. And so from there, I've met with the superintendent. I've met with the, the president of the Board of Education. We now in San Mateo County have a LGBTQ commission. So working with them. So really it started this entire journey. So I've met with the, uh, and this is where my affiliation with our family coalition has come in um, in a great deal is that they have the expertise. They do the trainings, right? right? So I've gone in as the parents and I've brought them in as the educators and we've met, we just met with the superintendent, uh, I want to say a month ago um, and had a discussion with her cabinet of all of her leaders um, to say, how are we going to move this forward? And their position was, we want to do this, but we also want to do it for people of color. Right. We want to do the entire piece and we want to do it right the first time. So we're working, I'm working with them to continue the ball forward. But when I go back to the principal, she's like, whatever we need to do to make your family feel accepted. The other thing that I didn't say before is PTA and also creating allies, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you, my, my daughter has two best friends. Those two best friends, their parents, they're straight, right? So they're at our, they were just at our house two weeks ago. And it was incredible. The kids were in the other room and we were all the, all the adults were talking about how we all met. Right. Just like there was no difference in the world. And those are her, the allies we have. So if we had continued to experience any sort of challenges, we have a broad, I mean, I'm at all this PTA stuff. I'm at all, I'm very engaged now um, at the school. And so we have a whole network of families that are right there with us and those people will support us. So I think those are other things because 
once you get out of the bubble and if you're in there, I'm so proud of all these brave people that live in states that are raising kids where they just don't have the support systems. But the thing is we have more in common with people than we have difference. So if we're able to actually find those commonalities with whoever they are and they become, and they get to know you, they're going to know there's no different. Once you become a parent, it's like changing diapers. It's the same, whether you're gay or straight, right? Like, yeah. The, the work that we do every day as parents is essentially identical right. as the work that, you know, heterosexual people do. So I think those are the things that I try to focus in on is what are the commonalities and how do I build relationships and support so that my child, and I would say my daughter, despite some of these things, she's one of the most popular kids in that school. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're integrated across so many different. And so I think those are the things that, so it takes a bit of a fighting spirit, I would say. You you know you have to be an advocate for your kid, um, and you um, it, it's a, it's a journey. It's not gonna you know you don't have one conversation and people are like okay I get it. Right. It's constant, and some of it is about correcting people along the way. They use incorrect language. It's about educating, right? Right. Right. And uh, so our family coalition does the does trainings. Yeah. Uh, like this for teachers or yeah so our family coalition is a California nonprofit that works for equity th- for LGBTQ families um, through education advocacy and programming so the way that I became affiliated with our family coalition is that once we had our daughter we didn't know a lot of gay dads that had kids and so we started going to their events mm-hmm. um, and you know they would have you Halloween events and different events throughout the years and that's where we started to meet more you know gay dads um, and they also do a lot of work in in Sacramento on the legislative level for advocating for queer families mm-hmm. um, and so they also have a whole group of people within their org that does trainings they were actually just in LA they were just in San Diego in the last month doing trainings for different school districts train the teachers right and So that's a lot of the work so that they the do. teachers invite them how how do they know so the school so oftentimes it comes through the parents so the parents of the kids will or the the kids if they have you know queer kids and they're having a hard time in school they start the parents start to network and try to figure out like what do I need to do to change this school and then they'll often go to the teachers and the teachers will say I feel ill-equipped and Uh-huh. to really address these issues like I don't understand you know I'm responsible for teaching so many things I don't understand all the issues and then they'll reach out to an org like our family coalition to say can you come in and do a training mm-hmm. and then they'll hire them to come in and do a training and train the teachers and they'll provide them resources and all the other things and they work only in California so our family coalition is a, a nonprofit in California um, primarily in the Bay Area is where they do their programming I All the um, advocacy work is across the entire state they have they do get um, some states that have worked on um, other uh, in programs for inclusion have reached out to our family coalition but we're really a, a California state right. organization did you ever encountered uh, homophobia at school other than the kids um, picking up on your daughter no I would say not I um, we have not experienced um, I'm, I'm really happy to say you know my husband and I you know we're we've traveled all over the country and um, we've never really we haven't really experienced homophobia I don't think people quite understand who we are and what we're doing <laughs> right. you know, we've had situations where people 
you know, get in the elevator and be like, oh, where are your wives today? Like, <laughs> I love like, that one. I love that question. It's like, and we're like, uh, this is, this is, this is my husband. And they're kind of like, oh, you know, the jaw, <laughs> jaw drops and they're like, but we haven't really had any homophobia. What I would say about homophobia is that, um, one of the key things to ask is really when you're looking at the school, what is the school's, um, anti-harassment policy? Mm. So, Every, every school should have a policy around this because bullying is so big right now yeah. that there should be a policy in place. And within that policy, if there's not specific language about LGBTQ families, there should be language that covers us. The other thing I would look at is non-discrimination policy, uh, make sure it includes sexual orientation, right. right? So if you're in a private school, I'm not sure, you know, what visibility you have in the public schools, you have access of all of those policies are online. Mm -hmm. So you want to do sort of your due diligence, looking at what other policies, is there an anti harassment policy? And those would be the tools that I would be using if there were situations that started to come up. And that, right. by the way, those, those policies apply uh, as well to the employees, which is important, right? Because it Absolutely. means that you're more likely to have LGBTQ teachers and, and, and That's stuff right. like that. Another kid said something to your daughter uh, in like recess or something like that. Other than talking to the school, is there anything that you should do yeah. to address that actual experience, not kids, just you with mean? your daughter, but with either the other kid or the other kid's parents. Our role as a parent is to create a safe environment, right? So you have to talk to the teacher, you have to talk to the principal, you have to talk to whoever is responsible for providing that environment. Mm -hmm. And then things happen, right? So the most important thing that I do is we talk, I talk, my husband and I, I do a lot of it. I talk to my daughter a lot about how it feels for her. Right. So how does it feel when they say that to you? How do you feel that you have two dads? How do you feel that you don't live with your mom? Right. Those are the things that we talk about because I need to help her understand and build the tools because I'm not always going to be there to protect her. You know, she's going to grow and she's going to change and she's going to maybe at some point be embarrassed of her dad, whether I'm gay or straight, <laughs> right. being around, right? So what my, my role as a parent is really... How do I teach her to understand what she's feeling, how it's how these things are impacting her, and then how does she resolve them, either through talking to me or talking to a friend or a teacher? How does she resolve them? How does she tell that other human being, that other child that's saying those things, how it feels for her? Those are the things that I'm we're trying to teach her. Um, there's a great organization called Kid Power. Um, that teaches kids how to um, protect themselves. Really? Um, it's a, yeah, it's a great organization. I just took my daughter to a training there. Um, you know, uh, it was probably about a month ago, took her to a training and it's really to teach her how like when a kid on the playground grabs her and says, let's go play over here. It's like, if she's not comfortable with that, they teach you how to like take the hand, pull the hand right. off and say, stop. Right. Mm-hmm. This is my body. Right? Do they deal with do they deal with LGBT yeah. type issues oh, as yeah. well? Oh yeah, this was an LGBT. It was very much kid, focused kid power. Yeah, kid power. Yeah, I think okay. that's amazing. That's yeah. A great... So it's a it's a really cool and and then we came home and my my three and a half year old didn't go because he wasn't of the age he couldn't go. So then we role played in front mm -hmm. of him like right. what does it look like? So it's really about teaching her when things come up that she's uncomfortable with. 
How do you physically take care of yourself? And then how do you emotionally communicate what you're feeling? Right. So those are the things that we're trying to teach her because, you know, they're going to go off. She's going to go to camp or she's going to go off to college. I mean, those things are a long way off, but there are going to be situations where we're not there. Sure. Right. And but, so, but you were there. What about the, um, what about the, uh, the parents of the other kid and the other kid, anything valuable to be done there? So I think that, um, at our school, the principals, um, of, of they have a motto that they read every day. It's, it's basically like um, they start off with the Pledge of Allegiance and then they have a motto. It's like, um, be kind to others and their property, um, treat others with respect. It covers, it's a very broad-based, mm -hmm. and they say those every day. Mm -hmm. So I think that anything that comes up, we refer back to those principles and say to her, you know, bring it to the kid and say, are they treating you with respect? Mm. The school, everyone is in agreement. They all agree to do it at the first thing of the day. Right. So it's, and they're all bought into that. So if you use it in those language, can you get them to recognize what they're doing right. is not appropriate? Right. Right. Okay. Uh, do you have Mother's Day at school? Ooh, Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Day. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I remember the horror that I felt the first time that uh, we heard, I think we heard it, the, the stories about Mother's Day from fellow gay dads, right, remember that? Right, when our yeah. kids were like six months old, and I'm like, oh my God, this is what It's so interesting because I us. felt it, it, it speaks a little bit to the to the kid power thing you were talking about, but but brought brought to adult age. I did not have any of, no? that, of that fear that Jan did, because again, I sort of look at it and I say, you know what, I am very, very much in the minority and exposing my children to the idea of what it is to be part of the minority without feeling bad about it should not be such a painful thing. But it all depends on how the let's draw a picture handle. for mom. Yeah, let's, I understand. Okay, let's hear from yeah. so, so, you know, this is a big this is a yeah. big issue. So in our house, the month of May is the most difficult month of the year. Okay. Mother's Day is real. We live in a in a culture that is really adores mothers. Um, if you look at a lot of the kids' books, there's always a mother figure. Um, so for us, we've had challenges with Mother's Day. Um, I think for, for our daughter as well, because she has two dads, her kindergarten teacher was a woman. She attached very much to her. And then Mother's Day is happening at the same time. And then the school ends, right? Like mm -hmm. two weeks later. Um, so... We had a negative situation that happened not in not in kindergarten. It was actually in the preschool uh, that my kids were in, where they were very open. They were like, "We're totally open to uh, LGBTQ families. We're really supportive. We, they treated us really well. The director had been adopted, so could, she totally understood our kids for being adopted." But then came Mother's Day, and I went to pick up my daughter um, the Friday before Mother's Day, and. I looked up on the wall and it was a thing that said, what's your mom's favorite thing to cook? What's your mom's favorite color? What's your mom's favorite? And I was horrified. Mm. And I was literally in tears and went up to the teacher and said, how could you put my child in this position? She, did, she can't answer these questions. Mm. Um, so that was a big learning lesson for me. Um, so now when the school year starts and I get a new teacher, during my first parent-teacher <laughs> conference, 
And we've got eight months to work on this. <laughs> yeah. What are your plans for Mother's Day? And how are you going to include our family? And what do you plan to do? And can you share that with me in advance um, of Mother's Day? And that has been, um, and that has worked really well. Last year, kindergarten Mother's Day was really hard. This year was not hard. Oh, that's good. So we've spent a lot of time talking about it. Um, and also the teacher was very sensitive to it this year. So the things that came home were Papa and Daddy. They weren't, you know, so they actually changed the materials in order to be inclusive of us. Right. What do you think the right way is for um, schools to handle it? Should they be changing what Mother's Day is to being, you know, Parents' Day? Should they be ignoring the whole damn thing? What is, you know, if... In you, our school, it's Family Day. It, is it? But then mm -hmm. what happened? Oh, at Father's Day, there is no school, yeah. so they don't have to worry so about that. So they combine that. the two? So, what, yeah, what's your... What's your recommendation? All of the school managers of the world are listening. Um, my recommendation is my daughter has a mother, right? Um, and it's important that she understands that. My recommendation is not to change the holiday. Um, it would be great if they went to Mother's Day and Family Day. That's fine. I don't expect to change the culture. What's more important to me is that the school understands where we're coming from, that my child feels comfortable talking about it. Because whether or not we change the, the environment in the classroom, Mother's Day is going to exist out there. Right. So we right. can protect them for so long. They are going to get out there and they are going to experience the fact that they, you know, Mother's Day exists and they don't have a tradition. In my case, they don't have a traditional mother. Right. So they're going to deal with it at some point. That for us, it's how do we give them the tools to deal with it? How do we train them and teach them and be there to comfort them in the fact that they don't have a traditional family? And what does that feel for them, feel like for them? And how can we support them in their feelings and how we can support them in expressing their feelings and working through feelings? Feelings come and they go. So it's really about how do we help them through that period of discomfort? I don't believe in trying to take away discomfort. I believe in trying to be present and witness discomfort and move through it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, I, I'm not a, I'm not like one of these people that's so strict about these things about, it's just not, it's just not who, who, who I am. So how did you deal with it this, this year? So we, um, we talked about it. So for, 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 and I know, I think a lot of your listeners um, have children through surrogacy and adoption or, yeah. or yeah, both? Yeah, def definitely both. makes sense. Of course, plenty of prospective parents. So. Yeah. So for us, our daughter has a birth mother, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about um, our, our daughter's birth mother is actually here in LA. We're going to see her tomorrow. Um, we have an open adoption with her. Um, so she has a mom. She has a birth mother. And so we very much talk about it. So two weeks before Mother's Day this year, we started to talk about Mother's Day. Okay. And then we ended up we ended up doing pictures, drawings. She made a card for her. We got pictures taken, and then we created a card and sent it to her. So we had a whole ritual around it. And then when school came, it was not a big issue. I had already talked to the teacher about it. And Mother's this day, day this year was really pleasant and beautiful. I have a beautiful mother, and so I'm very much like Mother's Day that I want to honor my mom and, and all the beautiful women that brought children into the world. So. Mm -hmm. Are you the only same-sex couple in the in the class? 
I think we may be the only same-sex couple in the school. Okay. Wow, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm not aware. They've said there might be another family, but I ha- we have not met them. Um, so it's, there's about well, 600 you, kids in that school. So. You go 10 wow. miles outside of San Francisco, and as you said, things change, <laughs> yeah. don't they? Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, but we, we feel very included there. We, we feel that the community is great. So we don't feel different. We don't, you know, we're respected completely. Um, my husband and I, you know, we're, we're totally respected there. And I would say um, one thing that as we talk about this, I think there is a difference between girls and boys on this because boys identifying with their dads, so two dads that have two boys identifying with their dads is different. The girls at school, there's a lot of mommy play. There's a lot of play that the girls do around moms and the girls that my f- my daughter's friends with, they spend a lot of time with their Mother. their, their mothers. Oh, interesting. More than their fathers. Um, their fathers are all very engaged, but it's there. So there's so for our daughter to try to not talk about mothers, it's just not it's just not a reality. Right. Yeah. And I think it would really end up hurting her to think that because it's really about it. It's, it's about our own insecurity. And so it's like, and so we encourage her to talk about it as much as possible. It's not going to hurt us. Right. Um, so I think that that's, you know, really important. Yeah. I um, suspect that there are pros and cons to each um, permutation and that the age matters because absolutely. at a certain point, boys will suffer from the fact that their parents are gay men Yep. amongst their friends in a way that maybe girls would not, you know, yep. because there's yep. suddenly there's this, uh, you're gay because your parents are, you know, because yep. your parents are gay men uh, type of thing that I'm almost certain will be in the offing at certain, some point. And I'm, gonna, I'm guessing third grade. I don't know where I just pulled that what from. What do you mean? Uh, our haters already said that. Who are on, our haters? On Facebook? All the homophobic oh, comments that we get on our podcast. I don't podcast. do Facebook, so I'm I'm pleasantly um, uh, you know. oblivious. <laughs> Everyone loves us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think it's interesting. It's also like gender roles, right? Like I think it's an important thing as yeah. two men. You you take on different roles. I think that's one of the beauties of being a same-sex same couple is that we decide our roles. Yeah. Tradition yeah. doesn't decide our roles, right? So my mom, my kids will often call me mommy. Oh, I'm really? Like, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, cause I do some of the things that quote unquote traditional moms right. would do. And so I feel very, um, and it brings sort of a, a mother part of me out and a, a feminine side of me out that, um, I, I'm, it feels very good. Right? right. And so I'm totally okay with, with all of that. Well, that's I'm, fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Steve, thank you so much. It's been it's been really interesting and educational. Yeah, and there's um, a, a lot of materials to put yeah, on on our as page. a result of, of yeah. what you've had to say. So thank you for that. Cool. Great. Thanks for coming. All right. Thanks so much. about what you said before we went to the interview about your fear about Mother's Day. And it's interesting because I remember how concerned you were about that, and I think you still are concerned about it. And I never really was. Obviously, if we were in some 
particularly homophobic area, which we certainly are not, and we were sending our kids to a school that was not particularly progressive, that would be one thing. But in a context where you know that there is so much of an embrace of this kind of difference, this kind of diversity, I have to tell you that I want to teach my children that being a minority does not automatically represent uh, suffering. It doesn't it doesn't have to be bad that you are the only kid who doesn't have a mommy in the class. You know, you may also be the only kid who's, I don't know, blonde or the only kid who is super tall. It's really important for us to imbue in our kids this sense that persecution is persecution. If you're being persecuted, that's horrible. But being the only one or one of very few does not automatically mean that that's what's happening. And I want them to feel strong and proud of who they are, even if who they are is one in a hundred. Do you think that uh, protecting them from Mother's Day is like masking the fact that we're a minority? Well, I just think that I'm not I just think that we should. Um, embrace Mother's Day because it's Mother's Day and there's a Father's Day that comes later. Now, granted, the Father's Day is usually after school is closed, right? But I I sort of feel like I don't want to start my children off feeling like the world has to treat them the same as everybody else because they're not the same. They'll never be the same. Forget about their parents being gay. They're different from everybody else. And to me, the idea of standing there and saying, this day is for me and this day is not for me, I actually think is fine. And it's 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 something that I really want my kids to get comfortable with. And they're gonna they're not going to get comfortable with it easily. Right. I think we can all agree that especially for kids and from what I remember vaguely, especially for teenagers, being different is really, really hard. But, you know, frickin Sesame Street has been teaching that being different is good since 50 some years ago. Right. And you'd think finally we'd get that into our heads. But seriously, like I don't want my kids to feel like they have to conform that they have to, you know, I don't know, pretend that they have a mom. And I don't want my school to have to feel like they have to turn themselves into a pretzel to find a way to make my kid feel as if, I don't know, you know, they don't have a mom, but they have a thing. I don't want it to be so complicated. Things are different at different times for different people, and that should be okay. What do you think we can suggest to schools who have Mother's Day and want to make a picture for mom? I can think of a few options. One is have a Father's Day. You well, know, it's not in the United States Constitution that the Father's Day happens in June. You can have Father's Day in February. I'm not kidding. It's like I don't see what the big deal is. That's yeah. number one. Uh, and, you know, of course, I think it's fair that they should feel that there is, you know, a, a, a Father's Day. The other option is, yeah, sure, turn Mother's Day into Parents' Day. There's nothing wrong with that either. It'll make their lives easier. Yeah. I'm not saying that they that they shouldn't be considerate of kids who don't have a mom. And of course, there are plenty of kids who don't have a mom and their their parents are not gay. They don't have a mom because their mom died or there's a divorce or the mother's nowhere to be found. So, you know, all of these things should be taken into account. Yeah. I love that uh, Steve said that uh, his kids sometimes call him mommy. And I, and I think that... <laughs> It happened briefly for us, like for me, they called me mommy for, for like uh, five minutes. <laughs> 
and I just rejected. I was terrified. I'm like, I'm not feminine. Right. First of all, it was mommy. I'm like, look at my muscles. You didn't understand. It was mommy dearest is what they were referring to <laughs> as, and most of our no, listeners. I, I will guess understand it's, it's a role. I mean, mo- a mommy is a role that we fill in some way because we uh, provide the things that mommy provide. But um, but I love that uh, Steve actually accepted it and embraced it as opposed to me. <laughs> it was refreshing to hear and, and even inspiring. I'm okay with my kids referring to you as mom, but only if no. you really dress it up. I want the full outfit. I want like, I want you to wear a flowered sundress and an apron and have flower on your face. Listen, I did drag once yeah, it and it wasn't good. It wasn't, it, it wasn't good. I'm not a good looking woman. I would say we would post a picture of it on the podcast, but, but we don't no. want to lose listeners. <laughs> Guys, if there is something that you'd like us to concentrate on in season three, please let us know. Write to us at hello at daddysqr.com. You know that most of the uh, subjects that we talked about in season two were a subject that were submitted to us by the listeners. So we want to do it more on season three. And this being close to the penultimate episode of our season, um, I also would love to ask you guys to get back to us with not only ideas for subjects, but ideas for the podcast overall. We're flexible here, and we would love to play with this thing and try to make it as much what you guys want it to be as possible. We were just talking yesterday about being a throuple. For season, right, we're thinking of, of adding a third. Um, yeah, we're thinking of that. You know, we could we could um, always record from the bathtub. I mean, we're really, we have, well, there are lots of ideas. Yes. Also, we want to document more gay dad stories. Uh, Throughout the season, we received uh, many messages from future gay dads that uh, they were telling us how much these stories helped them. So if you like to share your story and photo, please write to us also. Let us know and we'll feature you in our website. We have a resources section, so it's a part of that. You can go and see other gay dad stories there. And if you want to join them, please write to us at hello at daddysqr.com. Daddy. I think that's it. That's it. For today. Guys, we're going to see you next week. Have a wonderful week. And next week is the award show. So get ready. You have a VIP ticket. Yes, that's right. Don't forget to rent your tux. That's shit. Remove that. That (laughs) Scratch that. That was a shit joke. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. week. Love you guys. a dad. Surrogacy is an amazing way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy has successfully made the dream of parenthood a reality for gay singles and couples from across the U.S. and around the world for over 20 years. The surrogacy process and surrogacy costs can be complex. Circle's experienced staff will partner with you on your path to parenthood. 
Circle Surrogacy was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to become a parent, and they've helped bring almost 2,000 babies into this world. Circle Surrogacy makes parenthood possible for gay dads. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com.